Genesis chapter 3. <clears throat> want tonight to look at a thorny issue, uh, women's clothing, right? Now, before we start, let me, let me tell you what we're doing here, right? Uh, we're still dealing with the moral issues confronting Christians. And what I'm trying to do is not trying to get at anybody or, or <clears throat> even change any, anybody necessarily. What I'm trying to do is trying to get you to think biblically about this issue. So it's not just for women, it's for all of us here, because we need to think biblically. We live in a society that is rapidly changing. Uh, this is fascinating to me, right? Now, two, two total extremes. I uh, watched uh, something on the 1800s with uh, Queen Victoria. And Queen Victoria went for a swim. Right? Now, Queen Victoria went for a swim, and um, she was covered from here right down to her toes, and she even had a hat on, right? <clears throat> now, so that's 120, 130 years ago, right? Today, people go to the beach, and effectively they go in their underwear. So that, 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 that's okay in our day and age. Now, huge change there. Does the Bible have anything to say about it? Either way, by the way, I'm not suggesting that you go swimming with a hat and all on you, all right? <clears throat> uh, does the Bible have anything to say about this topic uh, as we look to the Word? Uh, and where should we land on it? We're not supposed to follow the world, and yet very often we do. You know, we're not supposed to, but the world influences. And here's what happens for us. We become desensitized to the world around us and the things that are happening, and we think it's fine, it's okay. And we end up getting drawn into it. But what we've got to do constantly is we've got to bring our thinking back to the Bible and say, now, what does the Bible say? So we're going to look tonight uh, at what the Bible has to say about it. And I am not going to apply it uh, specifically. That's going to be between you and the Holy Spirit. What I'm going to do, what we're going to do is we're going to look at biblical principles. And and, and let me say this to you husbands and men uh, with children that will have children. You know, you're responsible for your home. You're the one that's going to answer to God. And really, it's down to you. And oftentimes, dads are silent on this area, and it causes havoc. You'd be able to speak up and, and, and say, because you bring a whole different view of the thing uh, to it. So you need to be careful and be able to do that. But you need to be biblically informed, not just shooting from the hip, not just preference, not just what makes you feel comfortable, but the whys. Why should we do these things? All right? Now, having said that, let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll begin. Father, would you help us tonight as we look to your word? Would you bless, Lord? Lord, open our minds to receive what you have for us, and Lord, help us to think biblically in this area. Now, bless, we pray, Lord. Put your hand upon us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Genesis chapter 3 is where the problem begins. In fact, it's where all the problems begin, because Genesis chapter 3 is the fall, all right? But specifically, this problem is mentioned in Genesis chapter 3. Look at verse 7 of Genesis chapter 3. Um, they have eaten of the fruit now. Uh, Eve ate it and she gave to her husband. And the eyes of them both were opened and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Right? <clears throat> now, what happened was they sinned. They were now alive to good and to evil. Like they'd never been alive to evil before. And all of a sudden, that which was perfect, they were naked and not ashamed. All of a sudden, they're ashamed. They know shame for the first time. And so what they do is they cover themselves uh, with fig leaves and um, they, they make themselves clothing because they feel ashamed. Uh, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Right? This is a big issue with them now. 
Uh, they have a big problem with this thing. Uh, and he said, who told thee that thou wast naked? By the way, he's covered himself and he's still naked. Right? <laughs> he still has a problem with it. And he said, who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldst not eat? And the man said, and, and the man said, the woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. We won't read on to, to, the, to the end of it there. But what God does is God makes a covering for them of animal skins. God actually makes a covering for them and allows them. Now, <clears throat> what we have here uh, is the principle that we need to be covered. Since the fall, we need to be covered. That's just the way it's been since the fall. Now, and always through the ages, nakedness has been associated with sin, with wrong. It's always been, it, it, it's been accepted at different times, but it's always been associated uh, with wrong. And, and it, it is shameful to expose one's nakedness. Right? In Isaiah chapter 3, look at Isaiah 3 verse 16 and 17 with me. Isaiah 3, verse 16, Moreover, the Lord saith, Because the daughters of Zion are haughty, and walk with stretched forth necks, and wanton eyes, walking and mincing as they go, and making a tinkling with their feet, therefore the Lord will smite with the scab the crown of the head of the daughters of Zion, and the Lord will discover their secret parts. Right Now, that's talking about nakedness as part of judgment. Shame, humiliation. Right? <clears throat> that's what we find it in the Bible. Look at Isaiah 47. Verse 1, <clears throat> come down and sit in the dust, O virgin daughter of Babylon. Sit on the ground, there is no throne, O daughter of the Chaldeans, for thou shalt no more be called tender and delicate. Take the millstones and grind meal, uncover thy locks, and make bare the leg, uncover the thigh, pass over the rivers. Thy nakedness shall be uncovered, yea, thy shame shall be seen. I will take vengeance, and I will not meet thee as a man." So part of the judgment on Babylon was nakedness. Now, we've come in our day and age to the place where, you know what, it's fine. <clears throat> you know, we find uh, the, 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 um, the nation of Israel, uh, when they made the golden calf, uh, that Aaron had made them naked. You know, it's shame all the way through. But we've come to a day and age when it's not. And we need to understand what we're doing and where we're going. And we need to have a biblical mindset. Now, <clears throat> Let me just reassure you, I'm not talking about burkas, and I'm not talking about us being ridiculous about it, right? But I think the problem in, in our day and age is it's ridiculous in the other extreme. The problem in our day and age is that it's gone way too far. And we need to understand why that's wrong. That's objectively wrong. We, we need to have an issue with it, right? All right. First of all, we must not provide opportunities for fleshly lusts. Look at Romans chapter 13, verse 13 and 14. Romans 13, verse 13, Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. 
All right, now, listen, the lusts of the flesh are real. They are there. They are always there. But the Bible tells us that we're not to make provision of it to fulfill it. But what we're to do is we're to be careful uh, that we're not making it possible, that we're not <clears throat> creating a situation uh, where we can fulfill um, <clears throat> uh, the lust of the flesh. We're, we're to actually take and put a barrier between us and that. Right? Now, let me ask you some questions here, right? and we'll get you involved here. <clears throat> uh, can we dress to excite fleshly lusts? Okay. By the way, can men do this? Some, we tend to focus completely on women because men are visually excited. But can men do this? Yeah. yeah men, men can do it too. Men, men, men need to be, 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 uh, understand the laws of modesty as well as far as they're concerned. You know, <clears throat> you, you need to keep, keep those and make, make sure they're, they're right in your life. But we, we can definitely dress to excite fleshly lusts. Um, <clears throat> let me give you a, a couple of quotes here. First of all... <clears throat> In fashion, I'm not going to read you the quote here because it's, it's um, <clears throat> way too revealing, right? But do you know that in fashion, fashion designers operate on certain zones of the body that they reveal a little bit of? Now, they reveal a little bit because a little bit's much more exciting than a lot very often, right? Uh, <clears throat> the, uh, the, the glimpse is often more exciting uh, than seeing something in full. And so what they do is they, and they, and they rotate them because what happens is we actually become immune to them after a while. We become desensitized to them after a while. And um, <clears throat> so, so they switch it to another area of the body. So it'll be the legs one year. Uh, <clears throat> it'll be uh, the top another. It'll be the back another time. It'll be the midriff another time. What they're doing is they're rotating it. But, you know, when it comes to fashion, it's built on the idea of excitement. Right? <clears throat> and by the way, understand this, ladies. The excitement is not just about a man. We'll talk about that in a minute. There's an excitement involved in exciting. Do you understand what I'm saying? That when you're actually you're causing somebody to, what a woman thinks is admire, but what a man knows is lust. But there's actually an excitement. Because woman was made to be admired. You know, that's the way God intended for it to be. You know, that's part of the relationship between man and woman. But, but what happens in that case is that, you know, there's the excitement of it, and there's the drawing attention to it, and um, it's, it, it ends up being something completely wrong, right? But the, 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 the fashion people know that, and, they, and they, work, they work through it. They work around it to actually uh, create interest in what they're doing. Now, <clears throat> Mary Quant, London, she designed, I believe she designed the miniskirt, didn't she? Mary Kondo, uh, she said this, many clothes are symbolic of those girls who want to seduce a man. Right now, listen, I know most girls don't put on a, a miniskirt with the idea in their mind, in the front of their mind, I want to seduce somebody. But you know, the truth is that that's what they're actually about. And while somebody may not be going all the way in their minds as far as that's concerned, they are looking for the attention. And the attention is wrong side at that level. And so you don't understand, that's, that's what the world says about it. Not what the Bible's saying about it at all. That's what the world is saying about it. Let me re read you something else. Uh, during the hijacking of the Santa Maria a cruise ship in 1967, the women on board were concerned the rebels might have designs on them, so they left off wearing enticing clothing. That is, they stopped appearing in shorts and halter tops and quit swimming in the ship's pool. Why did they do it? Why did they start, start dressing, more, dressing more modestly? Because they didn't want to draw attention to themselves. 
because they were afraid of what these guys would do. Now, if the women of the world know how this is capable of stimulating the lust of the flesh, why not the daughters of God? Why don't we think through these things and actually understand them? Look at Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse 27. You have heard that it was said of them, by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her, hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. If thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee, for it is, it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and that not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right eye offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. All right, now, let's, let's, let's work through this passage. Who's it speaking to? Men or women? Who's it speaking to? Men or women? It's speaking to men, obviously, right? Uh, it's clearly speaking to men. It is laying the responsibility for this on men. So before we say anything else about the woman's part in this, let me say to you men, it's your responsibility. God makes you responsible for not looking at a woman to lust after. Now, uh, it's impossible for you not to notice people, but it's the look to lust that's the problem. It's that second look to actually lust that's the problem. So when you do that, men, Jesus said you've committed adultery with her already in your heart. And understand that purity is something of the heart. You've got to get your heart pure. You've got to come to the place in your heart where your heart is actually pure, where <clears throat> you know, uh, you're reserved for God's woman for you, because otherwise you're always going to have a problem in this area. And, and by the way, understand this, that you know, a problem with lust doesn't go away when somebody gets married. It continues into the marriage and does huge damage to the marriage. Pornography doesn't go away uh, when somebody gets married. It continues into the marriage and does huge marriage in, damage in the marriage. Right? So that in this area, man, you're responsible for developing a clean mind. You say, how do you do that in this world? I had one guy say to me, he said, I might as well just die then because it's impossible. <laughs> right? Now, it's not impossible. Christianity is supernatural. The Spirit of God dwells in us to help us and to enable us to have clean minds. It works. You can have a clean mind. You can actually have a clean mind. You can actually get yourself to the place where, <clears throat> listen, you think right thoughts and, 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 and you think rightly about women. And by the way, let me speak to you, man, and you, you women listen in on this. When a man is lusting after a woman, he's looking upon her as being a piece of meat. There's no caring for somebody involved in that. That's something that's totally selfish. And what somebody who's allowing their mind to go that way is learning to, at least in their minds, to treat women much less than they, they should be treated. They, listen, they're children of God. Right? <clears throat> so that, that's wrong. Women, you need to understand that. There is a difference between an admiring look and a lustful look. There is a big difference between the two. And when you excite the wrong thing in a man, you'll always get the lustful look, not the admiring look. The admiring look is a whole package. It's a person. Somebody admires a person, including, obviously, their, uh, their outward form, but they admire the whole person. The lustful look is just, and I don't want to be crude, it's a piece of flesh. And it really is low. That's one of the problems of, with pornography. It just makes women pieces of flesh. 
It, it, it's a horrible way uh, to look on it. So, man, <clears throat> God commands you, and the command is clear, and <clears throat> there's no... There's no way you can actually take and make it a woman's fault if you look lustfully because God says you're not to do it. And when God tells you not to do something, listen, you're not to do it. That's, that's just the reality. You can't plead. It's 2013 and women don't dress properly. Therefore, I can't obey the command. No, listen, the command is clean. It's clear and true. You don't have to look a second time. You just don't. All right. <clears throat> now, but let me say this to you, ladies. Is it not reasonable that we would want to help them? Let me, let me put it in another area where we, many of us are familiar with, right? You've just started a diet. Christmas is over, and you've been threatening now, and that's it. You're going to take those pounds off that are bothering you. You're going to do it. You're, you know, you're, and so you start your diet, and you, know, you go on your cabbage leaves and your, <clears throat> and your lettuce and tomatoes, and you know, life's not very interesting anymore because the food's not very interesting. And your husband cooks your favorite dish and has the smell of it wafting through the house. And he comes down, and he waves it under your nose. Now, is that being kind? No. <laughs> That's not being kind. That's not being helpful at all to the situation. He knows what you're trying to do, uh, and he's playing with you. Right? Now, when we take it to the area of women's dress, when a woman dresses in a way that provokes a man, she's not responsible for the man's thinking. She's not responsible for what goes on in the man's mind. You've got to break that, guys, and make sure you know. But you know what? It's not helpful. It's not kind. It's not helping a brother as far as those things are concerned. So when we think of the law <clears throat> in terms of uh, women's clothing, what, we're going to, what, what you're going to do as far as women's clothing is concerned, you've got to be mindful that <clears throat> you don't want to stumble somebody else. Remember Paul said this. Paul said, if meat caused my brother to stumble, then I will ne- eat no more meat till the day I die. Paul was saying, if it's going to hurt somebody else, I won't do it. Does a woman have freedom to wear clothing? Well, yes, within reason. But you know what? She needs to be mindful of what it's doing to the people around her. That's just, that's just watching out for others. That is love. And by the way, <clears throat> the law of Christianity is love, and it comes into all of it. For a man to look at a woman in the wrong way, listen, that's not love. That's, that's, that's totally selfish. And for a woman not to care how a, man, how a man perceives it, that's not love. You know, <clears throat> um, uh, the Bible says that we're not to defraud one another in this area. And defrauding carries this idea. It carries the idea of promising something that I cannot lawfully fulfill. I can't actually give what I'm promising. So to entice somebody with the promise of something that you can't lawfully fulfill is to defraud them, is to rob them. It's wrong. So we need to be careful in this area that, that, that we watch out for each other because the law of love uh, applies in it. Right? <clears throat> so what that does is that puts a restriction on both sexes, by the way. Because I realize that men are primarily visual and women you know, are primarily emotional and touch-centered. But you know what? The truth is that we ought not to play with each other in those ways. We ought to be very careful about each other in those ways, right? Then clothing, clothing must be consistent with godliness. Look at 1 Timothy 2, verse 9 and 10. First Timothy 2, verse 9 and 10.
In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Right? Now, here's the principle there. The principle here is, and we're going to see it again in First Peter, the principle here is that true beauty is inner beauty. True beauty is something of the heart. It's not something on the external. Right? <clears throat> you know, Jer was saying that her parents are married, uh, they were married 25 years this week, and her parents are married 63 years. Well, you know what? They don't look like they did on their wedding day today. Neither of them do. You know, the reality is that when you get married to somebody, you know, you're not marrying a body. What you're doing is you're marrying a person. It includes a body, but you're marrying a person, and you're marrying a person that realistically you're hoping to be with for a very long time. You know, you're hoping that if God spares both of you, that you're going to live for a very long time and you're going to live together for a very long time. And this is the only person for you during that time. So, <clears throat> you know, when it, when it comes to this, this, this area, the real beauty that we're looking for needs to be something other than the physical. Now, in our day and age, you know, <clears throat> and it's always been part of it and it always will, the attractiveness of a person. And, you know, they, they will actually scientifically uh, talk you through it and explain to you uh, <clears throat> what the attractiveness means and, uh, and why certain people attract and, and so on. But <clears throat> here's the thing. In our day and age, the main focus is on that external beauty. And you know what? That's a fleeting thing. No wonder marriage is in trouble. No wonder marriages are in trouble. You see Rod Stewart? Rod Stewart... You know, he, he, he likes the same model, you know, because all his wives have been the same. But what he does is he marries somebody. He's married to her for 10 or 15 years, and then he divorces her, and he marries somebody uh, <clears throat> that looks like her only 20 years younger. And um, <clears throat> what he's doing is, but what he's doing is he's marrying for the look. Now, do you know what? That's totally unsatisfying for him and for the woman he marries. And the only thing, the only interest I can think a woman would have in it after, at this stage would be the money. <clears throat> Because really, you know, any woman marrying him at this stage knows, you know what? There's coming a day when I'm going to get the boot in favor of somebody younger than me. So <clears throat> that's totally unsatisfying. You see, God has put a desire in you to love and to be loved. It's very big in us. He, he, he gave Eve to Adam for companionship, and we want companionship. We want somebody who's going to be there for us through thick and through thin uh, for the rest of our lives. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for that kind of a commitment. That's what satisfies us as far as marriage is concerned. It satisfies that need in us. It satisfies that desire in us. But when we're looking at people and just seeing the externals and the beauty is all external, we're missing it. Because the real beauty is inner beauty. Now, speaking to men and women then, <clears throat> you know, a man... <clears throat> He's not supposed to be building up his, you know, his muscles and making himself look good and so on. That's not the beauty he's looking for. He's looking for inner beauty. Good thing to be fit and all the rest of it. That's not a problem. But the main focus is that he's going to be on the inside. He's going to be the, the kind of man uh, that God wants him to be on the inside. Now, you know what the kind of man that God wants him to be on the inside? The man that becomes that man. Do you know what he wants? He wants a woman that's seeking to be the kind of woman God wants her to be on the inside too. And yes, of course, attractiveness is going to play a part in it, but it's not the prime first number one thing in it. Now, so often, 
you know, we're led by hormones or we're led by genetics or something, but we're not really led to actually appreciate somebody and reckon on this is a relationship that's going to last a lifetime. It needs to be with the whole person. Not with, not with, not with just a, a body. So that we need to understand that the beauty of a man and the beauty of a woman is inner. We'll look at Sarah in a moment. Sarah was 75 years old. And she was still so attractive that two kings took her. I mean, that's, that's kind of strange, isn't it? She was still so attractive, you know, that, <clears throat> that people wanted her. And Abraham was afraid they would want her. Now, it wasn't her physical beauty. I'm sure she was a good-looking woman, but that wasn't what was best about Because the Bible tells us, we see it in First uh, Peter chapter 3, the Bible tells us that it's the beauty of the inner man that actually does that. Now, here's the thing. If you get that kind of beauty, it will last through the, t- the, the days of time. That real beauty is something to be coveted, something that will help you, something that lasts through the ages. All right, so looking at our text here again. <clears throat> so the, the, the first principle is here, the, the idea is it's the beauty of the inner man. So the word modest uh, there is orderly, well-arranged, decent, modest, harmonious arrangement and adornment, right? <clears throat> so it's the idea of harmony in what someone is wearing. <clears throat> the well-ordering is not of the dress and demeanor only, but of the inner life, uttering indeed and expressing itself in the outward conversation. And haven't you met people... That seemed plain on the outside, and yet they were very attractive because of the kind of person they were. That's what it's talking about. It's talking about having an attractive personality because what you've done is you've done the work on making yourself beautiful on the inside. Uh, <clears throat> all right, then propriety, <clears throat> shamefacedness there. It's a sense of shame, a modesty, a sense of... <clears throat> now, now let, let me put this. Let me say this. Some words and some thoughts and concepts have become... Uh, <clears throat> Badly treated in our day and age, right? The idea of being ashamed. Nobody's supposed to ever be ashamed of anything, are they? Yes, they are. When you do wrong, you're supposed to be ashamed. <clears throat> what about feeling guilty? Well, if you do wrong, you're supposed to feel guilty. But our day and age, you know, shame is bad and guilt is bad, so let's not do any of those. But there's supposed to be a shamefacedness. And here's the deal. I don't want to expose myself. That's a right thing for a woman to have. It's the right thing for a guy to have, too. But I don't want to expose myself. I don't want to be exposed, right? <clears throat> um, and this word applies more to clothing, that there's supposed to be that shamefacedness, and it would lead you to the idea of being well-covered. Right? <clears throat> now, again, we're not defining, and we're not, that's not our purpose tonight, to define what well-covered is, but we are looking at some principles here. First of all, I'm not going to cause anybody to stumble. So I'm going to be aware of what might cause somebody to stumble, and I'm going to do my best not to do that. I'm going to do my best not. <clears throat> and then uh, I, I, I'm supposed to be uh, shamefaced about it. The, the reality is I'm supposed to keep myself covered because I, I don't want to be exposed. And the beauty that I'm going to manifest is going to be the beauty of the inner man. And here's the thing. When a woman manifests the beauty of the inner man and not just the beauty of the body. You know what? She's attractive in a whole different way. It's a completely different kind of attraction. And ladies, you need to understand there is a huge difference between being admired and being desired. 
Our, our society confuses those completely, and women have, I think, been duped into, into accepting it. You know, <clears throat> listen, is it right to be desired? Yeah. Listen, God made the marriage relationship, and he made it good and proper and blessed, and he said it's honorable and undefiled. It's a good thing. The marriage relationship, including the physical side of it, is good, God says. There's nothing wrong with it. It's something that uh, he can be thanked for, something sweet and beautiful and intended to draw a couple closer. <clears throat> but, you know, um, th- 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 there's something wrong when what we're doing is we're playing on the wrong side of it, that outside the marriage relationship where God says it's worthy of judgment, that we're actually playing in that area. I mean, we shouldn't be playing in it at all. But when a woman actually has the beauty from the heart coming out, she's attractive in a whole different way. And every man in this room, by the way, knows that. You ladies need to understand it too. There's a different kind of attractiveness that comes with somebody who's working on themselves and letting God have his way in their lives than there is when it comes to somebody who's just displaying it all by the clothing they're dressing. The person who's wearing the clothing may get the attention, but you know what? When it comes down to it, anybody with any sense between their ears is going to want to marry somebody who's much more than just got it on the outside, somebody who's got it on the inside. Right, now look at First Peter chapter 3. Now let's just go down through this passage. Um, <clears throat> Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that it, if any obey not the word, they may also without the words be won by the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Now, <clears throat> he's going to show a woman how to impact a man in a right way. How to impact a man in a right way. Every woman knows how to impact a man. But impacting a man in a right way is a completely different thing. Right? And <clears throat> ladies, this is God's way and it works. Okay? Who's adorning? Let it not be that of the outward adorning of the plaiting of the hair and the wearing of gold uh, or of putting on of apparel. Right? <clears throat> Again, the focus is not to be on the outward. The focus is not to be on the outward side of it. The focus is to be on the inward. Right? But let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible. Now catch that. What does it mean to be not corruptible? What's not, what if something corrupts on you? Well, it wastes, it's gone. What about when something is not corruptible? It doesn't fade away. It doesn't go away. Something that's not corruptible is something that lasts. So your adorning is to be a lasting adorning, not just how you dress, not just how you look, Definitely not your body in the display of your body. It's to be something that's lasting. But let it be the hidden man of the heart, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. Now, let me say this. Verse 4 is not talking about a woman being a doormat. Verse 4 is not talking about a woman having nothing to say for herself. Verse 4 is not talking about a woman being dim. The rest of the Bible would be a lie that. You go look at the Proverbs 31 woman. I mean, this lady had brains, she had ability, and she was using it. But you know what? She's a virtuous woman. She's a woman that fits in this category here. Uh, Certainly, Sarah, who we're going to talk about in a second, Sarah had a lot going on. 
you know, she had a huge influence over Abraham, not, sometimes not the best influence, but she had a, an influence over him. And, you know, when we talk about having a meek and quiet spirit, it does not mean that the woman becomes somebody who just doesn't have anything to say for themselves. What it means is it's a woman who arranges herself under her husband and is in the place where she's not seeking to rule. It's a woman who's giving him the leadership. Now, you know what happens when you have a situation like that? You have typically a husband who's looking for help and counsel. But when the woman sets herself up against the husband and she vies with him, what happens is he's looking to stand against her. But a meek and quiet spirit actually accepts the woman's position, God-ordered position, uh, put in submission to the husband, and it's actually the place where a woman can uh, achieve uh, the most for God that she can possibly achieve. Now, I understand, this is 2013, and who in their right mind believes that? The Bible does. And we need to keep believing it because the Bible does. Because, listen, God got it right, and he knew 2013 was coming. And he knows the way it's supposed to be. Right? Let's continue on, though. For after this manner in old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection to their own husbands. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well, and they're not afraid with any amazement. So, what's it saying there? It's saying, listen, Sarah had this one down. And she was a beautiful and attractive woman, well into her old age. Well into her old age. And remember, Sarah didn't live to be, ni- live to be 900. Somebody threw that up today. They said, well, <clears throat> Sarah lived to be 900. Well, no, she didn't. Sarah lived to be 120, I think. I'm not sure exactly, but she only, <clears throat> only lived to be a little over 100. Uh, the 900s and the thousands and so on had long passed away uh, before Sarah's time. Right? <clears throat> so she's an old woman by any standard, but she's still beautiful. Why? Because she's got inner beauty. She's got a meek and quiet spirit. And... <clears throat> That's the real beauty, ladies. And <clears throat> it's so easy in our day and age to be focused on the externals and to end up missing the reality of what's the best thing. And God wants you to have the best thing. Always, always remember this. When God gives you something to do, it's never less. It's always more. You just got to look longer to see the more. You got to look deeper to see the more. The world offers you baubles, and and you can have it right now. But God offers you real truth, beauty, blessing in your life. But it's deeper for you to look at. You've got to look at it his way. And the, 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 the idea here is not that a woman shouldn't look well. Right? Let me scotch that one. Nobody's talking about you wearing burkas. Right? That was an invention of men. Uh, for weird reasons, right? <clears throat> you know, women wearing, it's not, not the issue. A woman, a woman is supposed to look good. There's nothing wrong with you looking good. You know, <clears throat> we're all supposed to make the best that we can of what we got. You know, we're, let me put it this way. It's just kindness to be pleasing on the eye, right? <clears throat> it's just kindness to other people to be pleasing on the eye. So, you know, <clears throat> uh, don't get the idea that what we're doing is we're saying you can't, but we're, what we're saying is the focus of it is to be the internal, not the external. Because the internal is what lasts. The external is fading and fleeting. Right? <clears throat> now, look at verse <clears throat> 4 and 6. 
See in verse 4 there it says, which is in the sight of God of great price. This is hugely valuable as far as God is concerned. When a woman gets it that she's looking, <clears throat> that, the, that it's the inward beauty, that it's the beauty of the heart, what God says is, listen, that, that's a great price. That's a great value. <clears throat> uh, look at verse 7, by the way, for, for, for guys. Likewise, your husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. And what God is saying is, listen, if she's got a meek and quiet spirit, she's of great price to me. She's of great value to me. And what he's saying is, don't mess around with her. Because she's of great value to me. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> where are we with this thing? I haven't given you any standards, have I? And I'm not going to. What are the principles involved here? First of all, there's to, to be the reality. We're supposed to be covered. Secondly, we're supposed to be careful of our brother and not cause him to stumble. And that means I may have to do some things that really are inconvenient for me. I may have to sacrifice things, some things that, you know, I, I, could, I could do. I mean, Paul at length explains why he can eat meat offered unto idols because he doesn't believe idols are anything and they're not, and so it's no problem to him. It's good meat, it's cheap, he can buy it. But he says, if it causes somebody else to stumble, then I will never eat meat again. So when it comes to this area of dress and when you're looking at your clothing and thinking about your clothing, you know, <clears throat> the law of love has to operate. And the law of love says, I'm going to be careful that I don't cause somebody else to stumble. So I'm going to wear clothing that's appropriate as far as that's concerned. And then the third principle is this. Real beauty is inner beauty. It's what's going on inside. It's not what's on the outside. Real beauty is that inner beauty, that beauty of the inner man, that beauty that's going to last long beyond what's on the outside. That beauty that's going to put you in a place where <clears throat> uh, people look at you when you're old and say, that's real beauty. That's the kind of beauty. And <clears throat> the, the, the principles apply for both sexes, by the way. <clears throat> Listen, man, <clears throat> you need to recognize your beauty is not in your physique. Because guess what? When you're 75, you won't have the same physique you have today. <clears throat> you know, your beauty is what's happening inside you. And that can get better as the years go by. That can grow better as the years go by. So <clears throat> when we look at this thing, we need to look at it from God's perspective. And we need to come out in a whole different place than the world does. Don't look to the world for your standard. Just don't. Don't, don't look to what's acceptable for the world. <clears throat> they don't have any of these principles at play. What you've got to do is you've got to look to God, you've got to look to the Word, and you've got, you've got to take your principles and you've got to say, now, hang on a minute, I'm supposed to be covered. I don't want to cause somebody else to stumble. And my real beauty is going to be the beauty of the heart. And if you take those three principles and you let the Spirit of God guide you, He'll guide you into where you should be. The Spirit of God will lead you and guide you into where you shall be. And it's not somebody imposing a legalistic rule on you. It's a relationship between you and God that says, you know what, I'm going to limit myself because of this. I'm going to limit myself because of God's word. And you know what will happen for you? You will actually step from the place of being desired to the place of being admired. 
And you know, that's what's satisfying. That's what you really want. You don't want to attract men that are interested in you for your body. You want to attract men that are interested in you because you're a person. It's a whole different deal. God has a plan, and it's a good plan. Let's close in a word of prayer. <clears throat> Father in heaven, we do thank you, Lord, for this. Uh, we thank you, Lord, that your word teaches us in all the areas that are uh, <clears throat> difficult for us and hard for us in life. And, Lord, uh, we, we do praise you and thank you for uh, this word tonight. Now, Lord, would you help our ladies, Lord? I realize that they are in a place where uh, the world vies with them and fights with them and pressures them and tries to get them to a different place. But, oh, blessed Spirit of the living God, would you be a husband to them? Would you take care of them and and lead them and guide them in these areas? And, Lord, may they please you and and know your smile upon their lives. And, Lord, I do pray for our men, Lord. May we be mindful of these things too, Lord. Lord, may we not let it be that um, because the world is wicked, we let our hearts be dark and wicked. But, blessed Spirit of the living God, uh, would you take us and let us know your presence and your power. And, Lord, give us clean men. Give us pure men, men that... Uh, look on women in the right way and men that <clears throat> are looking for the right thing. And for those that are not married, I do pray, Lord, that you'd give them hearts that are seeking uh, <clears throat> inner beauty, seeking to be uh, right with you and seeking to be blessed of you. And Lord, may they find spouses that are like that too. Now, Lord, to you be the glory for all of it. We praise you and thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen.